Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Seasons greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Mosier. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Man, I am doing fantastic. All right, so we got a leopard print collar, LA <laughs> looks hair gel, smells like Old Spice, plus Brute, plus Jacar Noir. He wow. wears it all together. Definitely doesn't wear an undershirt. All the musk. Give it to him. One of our favorite interviews ever. ever. And another mystery tea. Rob, tell him who we're uh, talking about today. <laughs> we are talking about T. Graham Brown. We're going to be hanging out with him. And talking about his song, I Tell It Like It Used To Be. They say that I'm the kind of man who always speaks his mind. To me, there's nothing stronger than the truth. Ask me almost anything and I'll tell it like it is But darling, when they ask me about you I tell it like it used to be When you were still in love with me Before you got too used to me And wanted someone new I tell it like it all There we go. Oh, yes. That is I Tell It Like It Used To Be by T. Graham Brown from the 1986 album, I Tell It Like It Used To Be. Well, there we go. Very colorful, pleasant looking album. It looks like it looks like an 80s sunset is what it looks like. <laughs> it was released in October of 1985, and it went to number seven on the Hot Country Singles chart. This is one of the uh, country music songs of my youth. I remember hearing this a lot, and it kind of blurs a nostalgic line between country music and like 50s and 60s like doo-wop yeah. you know what i mean it has this song very smartly pushes some nostalgic buttons yeah. and we're gonna dig into it later um and calling it tell it like it used to be yeah tell it like it used to be because well, we might as well dig into it the first thing that you think of right is that that's the saying right mm -hmm. i tell it like it is and he's saying back it, in my day when it comes yeah but when it comes to you i can't tell it like it is because how it is sucks yeah right <laughs> so it's like i tell it how it used to be uh -huh. when you were still in love with me before you got you know bored with me yeah um and but the but the great thing about this song is that it it is I, you know I, I tell it like it used to be but it really plays into the nostalgia of another song at least to me i've always thought this and that would be from our boy aaron neville yeah. Something to play with Go and find yourself a It's the same groove Okay, it's not quite as slow as this one But you know this song, right? You know what this song's called? I tell it like you Tell it like it is Tell it like it is, yeah When he hits the chorus, you'll see it You'll hear it And I'm not a little boy Tell it like it is Now there's another version of this that where where they they say it more frequently. I don't know if there's a re-recorded version. Let's see. This one's longer. Maybe it is. If you want, uh, that sounds, sounds more Aaron Neville. -ish. Sounds better. Something to play with. Yeah. Ah, oh, there it is. Go and find yourself a toy. 
There he is. Come, well, come on. Where? Man, okay, he grew so up. You immediately, for me, I've always had that connection between these two songs. I always yeah. wanted to hear some DJ play them back to back. You or know have I mean? Aaron Neville cover this one or vice versa. Yes. Yes. Like it's CMT Crossroads. Yeah. Aaron Neville, that's it. T. Oh, Graham man, Brown. Yes. Yeah. That's um, great. And so you, it, it has that nostalgic sense of the like doo wop feel, but also sort of plays directly into that specific song mm -hmm. from the legit doo-wop era. I think that was like 1966 or something, the original Aaron Neville version. Um, and so, which is called Tell It Like It Is. So like there's all, I feel like a double whammy of maybe even subconscious yeah. connection or nostalgia or, you know, whatever to the song. Then, all right, let's go back to I Tell It Like It Used To Be. While we're talking about connections to other songs, there's also this that I just want to talk about as a music theory thing, but also uh, talk about how it kind of connects your brain to a different song. Okay, here we go. All right, listen to the listen to the piano here. Stop there. Play it again. Tell me what you hear. Well, that's I tell it like it used to be, right? That's I tell it like it used to be. Yeah. Do you hear anything? Just the, and what the piano's doing and the and the guitar, they're kind of both doing it. I don't know. Okay. All right. What if I do it like this? Oh well. Billy Joel. We're in the same key. That's literally Damn, the same lick in the same key. Wow. Right. So, yeah, how about that? Now, that's not to say that one song borrowed from the other, but it they is. They probably are similar times, early 80s, right? Or is not, yeah, I guess Billy Joel's probably time, late I think 70s. my life came out late uh, before, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. But, um, but that's a that's a classic like blues guitar mm -hmm. sort of fill. I wouldn't necessarily call it a riff, but like that. Okay. But it happens here in the same. Yeah space and it as kind of exists as kind of the same same riff um it's in a different key different time signature but the same key um but that uh let me break down that riff a little bit just because i love it and since yeah. we're making this connection so what we're what we're ending on okay if we're in i don't know i don't know what key we're i in said here. d i feel i think my life's in d is it in d okay right. so if we're in d um then what we're landing on there is a d9 chord Okay. Um, and on guitar, it plays like, I don't know exactly how to say it, but if you're playing the, if you're playing like, if I told you to play a D major seven with a root on the fifth string. Okay, like a yeah, bar chord, that's, yeah, that's, a major seven. That's the bar way I chord. like to play the major seven chord anyway okay. on guitar. I like All right, to visualize so that. So you you take the top three strings of that that mm -hmm. you're playing, the high three strings that you're playing, um, not counting the one, uh, you know, but the two, three, and four strings, mm -hmm. that shape, and you put then the bass note on the same fret that your pinky and ring finger are playing. Mm -hmm. And then you you have to then reform your fingers, but okay. that makes a nine chord. That makes okay. a classic blues nine chord. Okay, so it's hard to be able to like say it verbally and have it make any sense. So I'm sure that didn't. But um, you get this nine chord. So that be on the seventh fret? Is it a B? Is that what you're so talking it about? Play, it plays like, in other words, if I if I was going to play a or okay 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 okay, let me do this a different way. A D nine chord. If you played it with a root on the fifth string. You could also play the fifth string. Uh, I'm sorry, a D nine chord with a root on the fifth string. That would be fifth fret, fifth string, right? Mm -hmm. That D yep. note. Okay. Mm -hmm. To get a D nine chord, you could also play fifth fret, first string, fifth fret, second string, fifth fret, third string. Okay, that's like a classic blues nine chord mm -hmm. shape. Yeah. Okay, um, and that gives you root seven nine. Okay. okay. Uh, or, no. Yeah. Yeah, right. that's right. Say five, nine, seven, seven, one, one. Yeah. Okay. So what you do then is you take those top three notes without changing the bottom three notes and slide them over two frets. Bah, 
right? Bum, 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 bum. And you slide it back down. Boom. Mm-hmm. Then you do the same thing. Boom. Yeah. Right? That's a classic blues move. That's what we're getting here. I did not explain that well at all. Not my there. best explanation. Okay, you got there. I, I'm not sure I did. Mm-hmm. I think I'm mostly just going to have a lot of confused listeners <laughs> at this point. But hey, what are we doing here? People um, are out there doing uh, the Phoebe on Friends right now. They're like, right. old lady. Yes, this one's bear claw. <laughs> yeah. Breaking their fingers, trying to make this yeah. chord shape that I just tried to describe. It's terrible. Um, so anyway, that's a classic blues blues nine move. If, DM me if you want me to like demonstrate, okay? <laughs> just DM me. And I'll, I'll try to explain it better on video or something. Um, okay. One of the things I meant to say early on about T. Grant Brown's voice is that... Even if you don't know this song, um, and even if you've never listened to country music in your life, if you are 30 or older, you probably know T. Graham Brown's voice um, because he is the jingle man. Like, he is jingles all the way. Jangle, jangle. Right? And he's done jingles for. Here's, here's a short list yeah. of the man he's done jingles for, Okay. And I'm going to leave out the one that he's probably most famous for, but he's done jingles for McDonald's, Disneyland. Like, this is not like he did jingles for Jerry's Bait Shop. Yeah. Right? (laughs) He did McDonald's, Disneyland, Budweiser, Coors, Strohs, Almond Joy, Coca-Cola, Sears, Dodge Trucks, Ford, Hardee's, Kentucky Fried Chicken, the Nashville Network, BC Powders, Dr. Pepper, Mountain Dew, 7-Up, Harris Casino, and many others, including a multi-year like a four-year, five-year campaign with Taco Bell. Oh, yes. If you remember the Run for the Border ads, then you remember T. Graham Brown's voice. He's got a whole YouTube playlist uh, of ads from this. But in these were Before just, the Chihuahua and the Yokiero Taco Bell there you go. was T. Graham Brown. That's right. Um, and it's it and these were not just him singing like the we you probably at least remember make a run for the border okay that t graham brown but in addition to just that there was a whole series of commercials in which he starred and acted and they're like shot like music videos and he's singing about the taco bell okay (laughs) so you get like troubadour uh, T. Graham Brown singing about the fantastic deals of the 49 cent taco. Okay, let's catch one of these. Hello, Maria. I'd love to see you. Meet me up at Taco Bell. Oh, please, Maria. You love those tacos at just 49. Burritos and tostados. One more dime. Let's get a sack full. Get them to go. And watch the sunset like we did. So long ago, let's make a run, 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 run for the border. Man, uh, Maria. the nostalgia. Man. Okay, Maria. Let's get a whole, let's see, 49 cent tacos, by the way. My goodness. 249 now for a Taco Supreme, 249 Uh Anyway, that's how long ago this was. But uh, yeah, man. Which is a little, That's when talk about how tostadas still. A little early. Did you were gonna play a different one? Not there's there's a whole playlist. You can go on T. Graham Brown's uh, YouTube channel and there's a playlist of like seven. Okay. Well, I'll I'll save this for for a minute. Let's keep going. Okay. All right. Um, I no. Let's go ahead. I, maybe we should like if you got stuff. Maybe we we'll meet the band. I was gonna out. say just one thing. I feel like all ladies of this era love them some T. Graham Brown. I feel like uh, they hear this song and they swoon. So many of the YouTube comments are something to the effect like he's a nice looking man. Like Thelma Thompson one one three three. T. Graham was good looking and still is. Yeah. Renee Cackline two three seven seven, very nice looking man with eight roses after it. Wow! I feel okay. like ladies of this era, old ladies, if I could say that, love them some rain bonnets, yeah. <laughs> some whorehound hard candy. Oh my gosh! And T. Graham Brown. Those that's are hilarious. That's what I'm thinking on that. Um, but yeah, I feel like the the ladies of that era. Um, yeah, he's a good looking dude. Teddy Grahams are brown. Whoa! T. Graham Brown. Whoa! There's something there, right? Wow, there's something there. That's all I'm saying. I don't know what it is. But I don't either. There's a, wow. there's a way to go with that. Um, do you want to... While we're talking about different types of songs, Brilliant Disguise, another one of his, uh-huh. that I think is a great example of a blues song that isn't a blues song. Okay, let's listen. So play this and tell me what you think on this. This is from his second album, Brilliant Conversationalist, title track. Mm-hmm. 
little saxophone pushing the edges of what country radio will play. Cocktail talk. I don't chatter. Definitely very bluesy. Yeah. Lipstick lips that flirt and flatter. I feel like Huey Lewis could cover this too. And True. Yeah. That's a great example. Is he country music's Huey Lewis? Yeah. Maybe. It's an accident. Yeah. Anyway. That's a great comp there. I like that. Um, You want to meet the band? Absolutely. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey. All right. I kind of want to meet the band, too. So I checked all my sources aside from buying this album. I didn't buy the album okay. and getting the liner notes to find out who played on this. And all I can find is this ridiculous list of composers. Okay. Like, just tons of And that's the case with a lot of his songs. Like, really? I can't find who plays what, and I love doing the research it's on that. It's really odd. But there's just tons of composers. They're just all listed as composers. As composers. So I'm going to list all the composers. Okay. And then I'm just going to pick who I think would play on each of them. So <laughs> right. this is, I'm going to put an instrument with the person. Okay. Based off Let's name, based off different reasons. Uh, Don Cook, Michael Garvin, Alex Harvey, Ron Hillard, Waylon Holyfield, John Barlow, Jarvis, Bucky Jones, Bud Logan, J.D. Martin, Gary Nicholson, Curly Putman, Russell Smith, Rafe Van Hoy, and Kevin Welch. Okay. okay. That's all of them. So okay. here we go. On piano, kicking off this song, I'm going to guess Don Cook. Okay. Because it kicks off the song, and he's the first in the list. Sounds, sounds like a good And if you look up his yeah. list of credits, he's written hits for Brooks and Dunn, Steve Warner. The songs that he's helped written have heavy piano underneath. Okay. So he is. He, he was the chief creative officer uh, and a senior vice president for Sony. So there you go. Okay. On piano, Don Cook. I don't even know if you play piano, but there you go, Don. On guitar, Rafe Van Oy recorded hits with Oak Ridge Boys, Patty Loveless, and George Jones. Why not? Let's yeah. put him on guitar. Sure. Uh, on bass, Bucky Jones. <laughs> I, I'm just using the names that I like. Yeah. I looked him up, and all the picks. He's holding an acoustic guitar. Songs ended with Ronnie or songs with Ronnie Millsaps, T.G. Shepard, George Jones, and I'm going with him primarily as a guitar player. But they needed a bass player, and Bucky just stepped up. Okay, so yeah, I yeah. mean, so much they even named a gas station after him. <laughs> so acoustic and rhythm guitar, I'm going Carly Putnam, also okay. holding an acoustic guitar, and he's done songs for Johnny Paycheck, Burl Ives, and Joan Baez. So why not? Let's put him on acoustic guitar. Sure, yeah. On drums, Bud Logan. Couldn't find any info on him, and trusting he's one of those Rob Alley types that plays everything. And they're like, we need a drummer. Bud stepped up, just like Bucky did. Okay. I like the name. So I just picked the names I like, put them on instruments. Thank you, Go. There's your, Excellent. There's okay. your random Meet the Who Band. Who was the last name, the last name that you read? Putnam. Hunt. Huh? No, no, the Putnam. very last name in the list. I went, that's your drummer. Kevin Welch. Kevin Welch. Maybe. Yeah, to there. me, that sounds drummer. All right, then Bud so. can play all the horn parts, because I didn't do them. <laughs> there's tons of horns. So there you go. Okay. All right. That's your deal. Meet the Band kind there of. There we go. That's it's the right. worst Meet the Band in the history of the show. <laughs> this information is not to be used for gambling purposes. That's right. Yeah. You will lose money. That's right. There Guaranteed. you go. Guaranteed. That's great. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. More uh, recently, uh, in the what late 90s, 98 or so, um, after like... You know, things, people's, uh, radio is fickle, right? Sure. So, like, after he has a time when there's not as much um, radio airplay of his stuff and, and kind of a, a new crop of, you know, artists is moving in, um, big comeback song with Wine Into Water, yeah. which has really sort of, I would say, defined the second half of his career, yeah. you know what I mean, as his signature song yeah. from the later, you know, the later years. Uh, and it has been used in a, in a lot of stuff. Um <clears throat> and he's done a lot of, uh, and still does a lot of like gospel stuff. A lot of his more recent uh, albums are gospel centric, um, and a lot of his more recent like you know appearances and and uh, stuff like that is is you know in gospel music and gospel compilations and that kind of thing. And Wine in the Water is a you know true to life like sort of chronicle of his yeah. own uh, struggling with uh, you know alcohol and. Um, so it's a you know it's a very it's a very touching song if you can if 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 that's one of your uh you know if that's one of your things. He also <laughs> was featured in a stage play uh in which he also acted and it is called A Scattered Smothered Covered Christmas. Waffle AKA House reference. The Waffle House musical. Oh, there we go. Yes. And um 
I think he, I think he maybe co-wrote it. Okay. Uh, or co-wrote parts of the, or some of the music, or it might. Oh no, I think it was that Wine Into Water was featured in that musical. Okay. So he sang it in character in that musical. Um, and so yes, a scattered, smothered, covered Christmas, the Waffle House musical. So there we go. Um, that's really about all I, I have. I got to stump the genius. Let's do it. Stump okay. me. Stump the genius. Stump the genius. Stump the genius. I said your part. All right, so we talked about how uh, TGB sang Run for the Border. TGB, his Tinas. That's right. I'm going to, and you almost hinted at where I was going with this. I'm going to give you seven Taco Bell items. (laughs) And I need you, we're going to do, I need you to, I was going to do match with the price, but I'm just going to say whether you think it's more or less than. Okay. Like current day, present day. Right now, I got this off the Hendersonville Taco Bell menu. We're in Hendersonville. I'm going to crush this. I feel like you are. Uh, Soft taco, dollar mm-hmm. fifty more, more ding yeah. ding ding, dollar seventy nine. Here, wait, we Bring got the a new jug thing. back. We got a new thing. We got a jug Bring- now. When <laughs> cheesy gordita crunch? Okay, five dollars. Uh, less, less four fifty nine, just barely. Chol- that is my free fire tier reward of choice. I feel like it's I. That's my okay. That's my three musketeers. Oh, it's I get it because it feels like the best value when uh, I reach a reward on my Taco crunch. Bell app. Oh, that's awesome. I go with the cheesy gordita crunch. Rob is two for two. Chalupa Supreme, three dollars and fifty cents. Chalupa Supreme, three fifty. That fifty, I feel like, is a trick. I feel like it's three forty nine. It is four nineteen. Oh. All, right. All right, nacho chips and cheese. Okay. Uh, let's go. <clears throat> let's go. A dollar forty nine. Nacho, just nacho chips and cheese, not like yeah. nachos bel grande. No, just chips and cheese. Dollar forty nine. I don't think anything's that cheap anymore. More than it is more than dollar ninety nine. Nice job. <laughs> uh, cinnamon twists. Dollar ninety nine. I was gonna say they could be, they could be a dollar forty nine. Uh, I'll go less. Less. They're yeah. they're a dollar. Cheapest thing on the wow, menu. Oh really? Look at that. Dollar. How about that? Uh, Cinnabon two pack. Let's go with two forty nine. Oh, now this is an item we don't have in my Taco Bell. Okay. Two forty nine for Cinnabon two pack. Two forty nine. You got licensing fees when you get involved with <laughs> Cinnabon. I'm gonna say more. It's less. Dollar eighty nine. Wow. How about that? Cinnabon okay. two. All right. Well, we've gotten. Uh, we've done really well, actually. Okay. Last one. All right. Nacho fries regular. Let's go two ninety nine. Oh, I think it's less. Less. Dollar hey. $1.99. Well done, Rob, on the prices. That is such an anticlimactic celebration. <laughs> it sounds like you it's worse when you get it. That's, that's Dang, awesome. I the wish ju- we'd had this five seasons the ago. The jug. Oh. oh, the jug. That's awesome. That's what I got. Guys, let's hang out with T. Graham Brown. Yeah. Teddy Graham Brown. Let's do it. He's He's got some great stories to tell. Really cool. All We talk about it all the time, but it's like... If you told me in general, right, if you lined up five interviews and you said one of them's going to be a country guy, one of them's a rock guy, one of them's a rap guy, one of them's a jazz guy, one of them's a blues guy or yeah. whatever, I'm saying give me the country guy. Absolutely. If you're going, who's the best? In-? And there are exceptions with yeah, each one. We did one today that's a rock guy yeah. that is top tier. So. But I just feel like I can always count on a country artist yeah. to be a good interview. Good stories, yeah. good energy, good smile. You can feel like they're smiling and yeah. they, they've done it at least they've done it before. Yeah, they just feel very professional yeah. at the interviews and they're really, really, really engaging. And it's like they're still excited about doing interviews yeah. is how it feels from country artists. I don't know if there's some cynicism outside country music you know, about doing interviews or whatever sometimes or just you know, the, the excitement isn't really there anymore but like it's it it almost feels like when you talk to a country artist like this is what they live for yeah. to do these inter- I just made this music as an excuse to, to do get some on here and talk about yeah. yeah yeah so anyway he he T Graham is one of those guys so please enjoy our chat with T Graham Brown we'll be back on the other end to tuck you in this is the great song podcast Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are here with country music legend T. Graham Brown. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Great Song Podcast. Oh, you're welcome, man. I enjoyed the podcast and uh, appreciate you having me on it. 
Man, thank you so much. Okay, so first things first, do we call you T? Do we call you T Graham? <laughs> Mr. Brown? Call me his Tenus. His Tenus. <laughs> uh, you better believe we're going to do that. Absolutely. That's great. Just just call me T Graham. That's fine. All right. All right. But I'm Or gonna... you can call me Tony. That's what my wife and my mama call me. Okay. That's so cool. Me and Rob were talking before. I was like, I think I'm going to try to call him Tony. And I was like, nah, I'm not going to try to pull that off. That's good. That's uh, okay. T Graham it is. Yeah. I'm going to go with his royal Tenus. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, let me start. I was so interested by uh, learning a little bit about the town that you grew up in in um that is a very 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 small town i think there's something like a hundred families there even in like recent census numbers if i if my research was right and i'm sure probably fewer than that when you were coming up what was your hometown like uh and how did you get into music there is it araby is that how it's pronounced yeah araby you know man it was just a little bitty agricultural community in south georgia uh, a lot of sand and pine trees and rattlesnakes and, <laughs> um, and everybody was a farmer you know even the ones of us that lived in town which town i'll put in quotes <laughs> sure. there wasn't much of a we called it uptown there was a a few stores up there you know like a, a little bitty grocery store and the post office and a little bitty hardware store and um, a bus stop, a Greyhound bus stop. So we would call that up uptown. Are there so, any? Well, I'm, I'm going to go uptown, or if your mom and daddy said, go uptown and get me a loaf of bread or something <laughs> like that, you know. It was kind of, a, I would say it was Mayberry ish, except Mayberry was way bigger. <laughs> sure. Are there any restaurants there? If me and Rob get off the Greyhound bus and we're like, man, we need something to eat. No, today, these days, no. I don't think there's any restaurants there. And I don't think the stores that were there when I was little are even there anymore. I, I think it's just, you know, some some little streets with some houses on them. I don't know what kind of businesses they I think there might be a convenience store mm. and probably a, a liquor store. Every town's got a liquor store, no matter how small. They're going to find a way to get a liquor store, for sure. So so you were born October 30th, the day before Halloween. What's it like being a Halloween baby? Do you have costume parties for birthday parties? Oh, man, no, we wouldn't have uh, Halloween costumes at my birthday parties, I don't guess. I, you know, I don't even remember having birthday parties that much. I'm sure I did, but... <laughs> Now on thanks on uh, Halloween we all dressed up and went trick or treating you know we would and they were always good you know uh, the people in Araby always gave a lot of candy so that was always good. <laughs> One thing I did I was in the Boy Scouts and um, they had a magazine called Boys Life and. In the back of it, where they had all the ads, there was an ad about selling Christmas cards, and you could win these prizes. So I sent off for it, and I went around town selling all the family's Christmas cards with their names printed on the inside, like uh, uh, Merry Christmas from the McKinney family, uh -huh. let's say, something like that. Yeah. And I sold those all over town, and I remember I got a bugle. I got a microscope. <laughs> That's awesome. I got a. I even got a bicycle. Wow. Uh, an English racer. That's what we called them. It was a three-speed with a little skinny tires on it. Yeah. I, I got one of those. I was the king of selling Christmas car. I was the only guy that did it. So I did junk like that. You know. I think I, my friends probably thought I was weird. That's bit. awesome. That's great. You weren't weird. You were just an enterprising young man. That's right. Even at, at that age, from the very beginning. And on the, and on the singing part, um, Mama said I used to just go around singing all the time. And on on my uh, on my daddy's side of the family, nobody was musical. Okay. They didn't even they didn't have a record player. They didn't have records. There was no stereo in my house growing up. Wow. Nobody listened to the radio. Uh, they would listen to the farm reports on the radio, and that was about it. They didn't listen to music. And so I had this little bitty record player about 
about as big as two shoe boxes put together. And it was called, it was a DECA, D-E-C-C-A. It was a DECA record player. And I had a few 45s. And that little store uh, uptown in Araby would sell uh, records, but a lot of them were sound-alike records, you know, oh, not the okay. original artists, sure. but, you know, sound-alike. So I would sometimes have to buy and and just be satisfied with sound-alike records. <laughs> but I had a few 45s, and uh, but I never had a stereo growing up. And my mama's side of the family, you know, played the piano, a couple of them, and sang in church. and played the piano in church, but they weren't really great piano players. And there was never a guitar or a banjo or fiddle or any of that. I'm always jealous when I talk to my friends that grew up and they say, oh, yeah, we used to sit out on the front porch picking and my uncle played the banjo (laughs) and my daddy played guitar, my mama played piano. I have, I, I can't identify with that one one bit but i wish i could i feel golly i'm i feel like i missed out i feel mm. like i would have been way ahead of the game yeah uh, if i'd have had that you know in my favor but i didn't so i dealt with it i mean <laughs> you know well, I think it turned out okay for you, yeah. uh, despite you know, despite not not having that you know, growing up, um, you've you've been a, a country music legend ever since I was a kid, and uh, just one of those names that you know instantly moves the needle for in in country music. Um, and one of the things that I, that I didn't even realize that it was you because it was happening when I was a kid, but in doing research, I went, of course that was him, uh, that you've sung a, a lot of jingles for a lot of iconic companies, but the one that stands out in my mind was the huge, uh, campaign for Taco Bell, the run for the border, um, ad campaign. And, uh, I, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't think about, it was just the Taco Bell commercial singing at me. I didn't know who that was, but, uh, you know, realizing that was you, I'm like, of course that's his voice. Um. What was the first of all? Tell us kind of how that came about. That huge, you know, thing for Taco Bell, and then if you can recall, uh, what like the worst or weirdest jingle that you ever had to record? <laughs> I would love to know. Well, first off, fifty nine, seventy nine, ninety nine, run for the border, don't waste time. Taco Bell's done it again. Yes, yes. oh, that's awesome. Oh, that was that amazing. Was <laughs> Made my day. A friend of mine. <laughs> Called me up and wanted to know if I wanted to sing a demo on a Taco Bell commercial. And I said, sure. And I went over there and sang it. And the Taco Bell people loved it. That was the start of it. And uh, they just made me the Taco Bell guy. I love it. That's great. You had that grit, man. It was perfect. Perfect for that. You still got it. Well, I got to go out to Hollywood, you know, about every six weeks. They'd fly me out there first class and put me up at the Four Seasons and limoed me around. And that was back when I was partying and I would drink a couple of bottles of Dom Perignon every night. <laughs> I mean, I was living large and uh, I had a lot of fun back then doing those commercials. And we did them for four years. And the guys told me, man, it's very rare that a a commercial will go on that long. I've I've been watching some, you know, that progressive commercial on TV <laughs> right now. That that girl's been on there a long time. Yeah, and that Liberty Mutual guy's been on there a long time. But <laughs> it, it, there's, you know, it's just rare that one lasts for four years. But the weirdest, I don't know, man. I've done, golly, I've done about every soft drink, you know. Coke, Mountain Dew, Dr. Pepper, uh, Seven Up, uh, Budweiser, Strohs, Miller, Coors, uh, every car and truck, every every fast food place like uh, Burger King and Hardee's and KFC and and Taco Bell, of course, McDonald's. I've done jingles for all of those companies and and more. When and, you um, when you do something just, for a big corporate uh, thing like that, especially a, a restaurant or something like that, do you get some sort of perks? Like, can you walk into any Taco Bell in the nation and be like, "Guys, I'm T. Graham. I used just give me what I want." I used to be able to. They gave me a th- Taco Bell. We're just really joking around, but they they had a thing made up 
that looked just like a driver's license. I mean, it looked exactly like a driver's license. <laughs> and it it was for the manager. It had VIP on it. Wow. And it, just said, it just said, manager, please. Basically, it said to the manager to give me anything I wanted. <laughs> so we would pull the bus in there and feed everybody. Yeah. We, we did that a lot. You That's know? great. I love but, that. Uh, I did. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. I did that for seven years. That but was I never you? Got in. Yeah. Holy cow. The Almond Joy's Mounds? Wow. That's yeah. all, That's great. I didn't know Sometimes that. you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. <laughs> Almond Joy's yeah. got nuts. Mounds don't. That's no. great. Oh, man. We yeah. reference that every now and then. Yeah, we do. We've, we've talked about that several times on the show. That's funny. That's yeah. great. They don't, yeah, they don't, I did um, that. We don't get I did anything a bunch as of them, man. I'm telling you, I, I, you know, I think I've done probably as many jingles as anybody in history. Yeah, I'd imagine probably. so. When I when I get to thinking about it, I did so many of them, and they pay residuals. You know, they don't pay necessarily every check's a big check, but just to show you how many I did. I went to the mailbox one day and there was 11 residual checks That's in there from awesome. different companies. So, and that was just one day. You know? <laughs> right. So, That's great. Well, so I did a bunch of them. I didn't get rich doing them, but I, I made some money doing them. Well, you made some uh, monster studio albums too. The first album I tell it like it used to be came out the gates blazing. Having three charting singles um, on your first album is, is pretty pretty monstrosity what's it like to have your very first album come out and chart so well i mean hell and high water which you co-wrote is just one of the of the the multi well I actually well i tell it like it used to be we cut in nashville that track we cut most of that album down in muscle shows alabama mm. but um they put out, well, first of all, they put out, I had a singles deal with Capital. I didn't even have an album deal. Oh, I had really? a singles deal, which meant they could put out a single. And if it hit, they had the option to call for an album. And if it didn't hit, they could put out another single. I had a six singles deal, so they could put out Interesting. up to six. But the first single they put out went to number 39. It was called Drowning in Memories. It never made an album. It never got on any album, but uh, it was enough for them to call for an album, which made me very happy. It was like, oh. okay, man, I hit a home run. Now I'm in the big leagues. And <laughs> so we cut the, the song, I tell it like it used to be, and they put it out, and it was a hit. So while it was going up the charts, we went down to Muscle Shoals and cut the rest of the album. And then they put out, I wish that I could hurt that way again, and it was a bigger hit than I. I tell it like it used to be. I think it was it was top ten, but it was it was a big hit back in the day. It was, yeah. it was like it was a number one or something that got played so much. Yeah, uh, maybe it just got played so much in Nashville, and I was listening to the radio. I don't know it, but anyway, Music Row took it as being a big hit, and all of a sudden I was you know a player, and then they put out. Um, I uh, wish that I could hurt that way again, and it was a bigger hit. And then they put out uh, Hell and High Water, and it was a number one. And then they put out Don't Go to Strangers, and it was number one. They were all, that was four hits off the first album. Yeah. And I was never able to repeat that success, though. Well, I was going to ask, uh, you know, when you have a when you have an album like I tell it, like it used to be, that kind of just comes in and, you know, punches the industry in the face, uh, like that one did, you know, people often talk about the, they'll call it the sophomore slump or something like that. You know, that pressure to follow up a, a really hot debut album. Did you feel that squeeze, uh, when yeah, you were putting together brilliant conversations? The sophomore, they call it the sophomore jinx. Okay. And yeah. Oh man. We, me and the producer, Bud Logan, all of us felt pressure, you know, and, but I mean, we had hits on that record. Sure, Don't get yeah. me wrong. We had, we, um, uh, brilliant conversations was a hit. Uh, the last resort was, seems like it was a, maybe a top five. Yeah. I, I like that a lot with both. Uh, she on couldn't there. love me anymore was a hit. We had hits on there. Um, maybe I just didn't like the album cover. I don't know. <laughs> you, uh, you then, then that third album had, um, uh, 
it was called Come As You Were, and I cut that. The producer on that was Ron Chancey, and he's the guy that produced all the Oak Ridge Boys hits. But where I met him was doing McDonald's commercials. He oh, produced really? a, a bunch of commercials, and that's where we met. And we did so many commercials together. He said, man, we ought to make an album together. And I said, let's do it. Capital said, okay. And so we cut that Come As You Were record. And they put out Come As You Were, and, and it was a hit. It was top 10, I think. It wasn't a smash, but it was a hit. And then they put out Darlene, and it was another number one. Yeah. So um, then they put out something else, and it it was not a hit. I can't <laughs> Dar, Darlene and Come As You Were, it seems like were the only hits on that record. Yeah. And then it started dwindling, the next record. Uh, had one hit on it called uh, If You Could Only See Me Now was a pretty big hit. But the other stuff they put out off that album weren't huge hits, maybe, you know, top 20 or something, but not. <laughs> and then I started kind of going, my chart performance started going down. And so I left Capitol. And went to Warner Brothers, and I cut an album for Warner Brothers, and it never got released. They didn't like the album. Really? So, yeah. So, I got an album sitting in the garage up on a shelf on two-inch tape. No kidding. To this day? Yeah, to this day. Wow. Man, I bet you could... Somebody could that <laughs> right? Like, so is there? Are there? Um, I imagine there are maybe uh, legal things that keep you from releasing that, right? They probably. Yeah, I think I think so. But I, you know, I don't think they would care if I were to ask them. Um, and it ain't. It's a pretty good record too. I mean, I don't know why they didn't like it. Yeah. And then I left them and went to Sony, and sat around on Sony for a couple of years, and then they. Let me go in the studio and I cut some stuff for Sony and they didn't like what I cut. Wow. So the so the nine so then I signed with a small independent label and cut an album and we called it Wine Into Water. Yeah. And it, it sold a bunch of records. But the only they were a little independent label and the song Wine Into Water, which I wrote with Bruce Birch and Ted Hewitt, and that's about my drug and alcohol problems. Um it was a. It went up the chart. I, I think it got in the low forties, maybe on Billboard. But it was a pretty good. It's taken on a life of its own. It's become a way bigger hit than it ever was back then. It's yeah. It's grown in popularity over the years. Yeah, I remember people talking about like our, you know, in uh, my circles, people would be like, "Have you heard this song?" Like it was a serious. Like, have y'all heard this "Wine Into Water" song? Like, you know, you got to listen to this because uh, it really has told the story of a lot of people. Your story has become has really resonated uh, with a lot of people. Uh, you know, and I, I'll tie this in. You know, we just lost uh, Loretta Lynn, and and what a massive loss that was to the to the country music community in particular. Um, but Loretta did a cover of wine into water a few years ago. Uh, you know, what did that mean to you uh, to have Loretta cover, uh, uh, you know, a, a great song like that of yours? Well, here's the backstory on that is, uh, I was, you know, over the years, I, it's, this story goes back to me and the Keith Whitley was like a brother to me. So this goes back to me and the Keith Whitley days when we were drinking all the time and taking pills and, partying and all that we were like brothers we toured together we loved each other uh we were like best friends kind of mm -hmm. you know um we both had a lot of friends but but no we didn't have any better friends than we were to each other right. and um and and i was talking to lori morgan the other day and she said you know keith loved you as much as any man can love another man and mm. that made me feel so good you know yeah. but anyway i partied and partied all through you know it just got more intense you know and the as time progressed and so then I kind of got straightened out. I, I would get on the horse and ride a while and fall off and get on the horse and ride a while and fall off. I never could stay quit. And, um, 
So I thought I, I felt all alone and I thought I was the only one and all, which turns out to be ridiculous because everybody's either just like me or know somebody real close to them just like me. Sure. But I, but I was, th- but your mind kind of tells you that you're all alone. So I wrote that song and we wrote it about me and, and I was talking to Bruce and Ted, you know, Bruce passed away and I, uh, a couple of years ago. And I was talking to Ted and Bruce about this. And they said, you know, both of them said this, and it happened to me too. He said, you know, I don't even remember writing Wine into Water. It was like I looked down and it was there on the paper. And I said, man, you know, that was what happened to me. And Bruce said, you know, that's what happened to me. Wow. So that song, that song was real weird in the first place. And uh, the way it came about. And I know it was written for me and about me. And I, I know it was written to help people because God has used that song to help so many people. But anyway, I never had to sing it in front of anybody. I was scared to, I was ashamed to, and all of this. And so we were out at Loretta Lynn's, out at Hurricane Mills, and Sheila said, you need to sing this song so Loretta can hear it. And, um, you know, Loretta's such a great songwriter herself. So I sang that song, and Loretta went nuts over it, and she put it in her show immediately. And then she went later on, went on to cut it, which was just unbelievable because she's such a good songwriter, like I said. And so um, we were all tickled about it. And I did this show. I have a show on Sirius XM Radio. It's called Live Wire. It's on the prime country channel when we're in our fourth year of doing that and so on, on, i do one a month and they air it 10 times during the month so this last this month is a tribute to loretta and i have crystal gale talking you know reminiscing about loretta and, and all and anyway we we play some live it's it's all live cuts that we play on that show and so i play uh some lo- live loretta that's really cool and then we end the show with the studio version which i never play any studio versions of anything but since it was loretta we played the studio version of wine into water and sheila and i were riding down the road the other day and it came on the radio the show came on the radio and we were listening to it and and the last song on it was wine into water by Loretta, and when it came on, Sheila and I looked at each other, and we about started crying <laughs> because we we're so proud that, that I mean, to get to have Loretta love that song so much, and and it be that particular song, and it's helped so many people. So it meant a lot. That's a long answer to your question, but it, it meant a whole lot. No, that was a great answer. Yeah, that was I, great. I love that, was- and I think that's gonna, uh, you know. I, as important as anything, I think in your career uh, has is now your ability to kind of reach people with that message, uh, you know, of, that there is hope on the other side of addiction and you know that kind of thing. Um, as a matter of fact, well, you know, to not get corny about it, not get corny, uh, man. To not be, you know, because some people think it's corny, but uh, that's what we're all about these days. Mm. You know, I sing for a living. That's how I make my living, and I do different things for a living and um but but we feel like our main purpose is to help people get straightened out and stay straightened out and you know that's what it's in the end that's what it's all about anyway yeah man no that's, that's not not quite hey, you know fame, fame and fortune and all that that's a, that's a whole nother subject but I don't, hey, I've been famous before, and I'm telling you, it's not all it's cracked up to be. If that's all you want, and if there's some kid listening to this, and that's all you're after is to be famous, you, you thinking, you're thinking's wrong. Mm, that's great. Go. That's a, somebody who's lived it. That's, that's a good word, T. Graham. We appreciate that. Well, yeah. a couple things, and then we'll, we'll let you get out of here. Um, I, you mentioned on, um, we were talking a little bit about Last Resort and some things back on, on Brilliant Conversationalist. You, and then, again, even on your fourth album on Bumper to Bumper, you had a couple of Otis Redding covers where you did Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. You've been, I've been loving you too long. Um, how did you get hooked on Otis? Was that presented to you, or were you a fan? Well, I grew up down there where he was from, 
and I grew up listening to him on the radio. I had a transistor radio, man. I had a, wow. a, a six transistors, and it's six transistors. And so at night, I would put that transistor radio up to my ear and scroll through the AM dial. This was before FM. And, and scroll through the AM dial and you could pick stations up, you know, clear channel stations. They would skip and you could pick up stations. I, I listened to one in Fort Wayne, Indiana, WOWO, and it was a pop music station. And they would play all kinds of stuff. And then I would listen to WLAC out of Nashville. And uh, they would play rhythm and blues. And so... I, I, there were several different stations. There was one in Slidell that played country music. So I would listen to that. And and plus, he he was just from up the road. And, and I heard about him all the time. And he was on the radio. And he was just a singing hero of mine. I just learned a lot about singing from Otis Redding, I think. Mm. Very That's cool. great. That's great. Well, there's one question we ask everybody, T. Graham. So you're on tour. Let's say you're on tour either with a group or doing some solo stuff or whatnot, and you go into a gas station. What is your gas station snack food of choice? And while you're thinking of it, I'll tell you mine. I get a Three Musketeers bar. When I was growing up, my mom would say you could have any candy bar you want, and it's the most ounces. What is T. Graham Brown's gas station snack food of choice? Ritz crackers with peanut butter. There we right. go. So, All right. That's I'm a- looking right at a pack. I got a pack of them in my hand. <laughs> that there is awesome. That, that couldn't have been asking a better Ritz time. peanut butter. Or or these square, and I got a pack of them in my hand, those square toast cheese, bright orange square <laughs> crackers. You know, those supposedly cheese. <laughs> and they're, they're square and they got the, you know, yeah. you know the ones I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Everybody needs some fake cheese. Something cheeses. like that. <laughs> Not necessarily a candy bar, That's but right. some, something like that. I'm a, I'm a, a chocolate freak also, but. <laughs> hey, good good uh, call on the Ritz. We're, we're with you on that. Well, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll have you back on in the future. We'll talk about uh, Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree with Carol Channing. and Oh, your, good your, Lord of mine. <laughs> <laughs> your cameo in Grease Lightning with Richard Pryor. We'll talk about all that on round two. Oh, this good is, Lord. This y'all, are, do, y'all have done y'all's homework. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a lot of fun, T. Graham. Thank you so much. You're welcome, guys. It's been great. Call me if you need me. You got it. Right, thanks, it. man. See ya. Right. This is the Great Song Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, his tenis, T. Graham Brown. <laughs> One of the top two greatest TGs in all that's country right. music that's history, right. That's right. and we've had them both. We got them both, man. Doggone you! You decide your favorite. No TG left unturned. But I think he's unquestionably one, one of, of the, the top, top two TGs in the biz today. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was really great. Uh, T. Graham Brown. Um, we'll be co- talking to more of your your parents' favorite country artists. I don't know at <laughs> some point, but um, no, he's one of the voices that I, I for sure grew up with. Yeah. Listening to country music. Um, before I before I fell away and then returned to the flock. <laughs> um, yeah, man, rocking and rolling. Actually, country, country, country uh, and rolling. Country. What do you? What is? What is the country term for rocking and rolling? Like, uh, like picking um, and grinning. Oh, solid. Done. <laughs> yep, we're picking and grinning along here yeah. at the Great Song Podcast, and uh, we'll be back next week with another great song. Until then, I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music. <laughs>